Hello everyone, welcome to Kane and Rince Podcast, Volume 9, Issue 446, Steep. So joining me, Cal Moon, in this issue are Charlotte Cutts. Hello. And Rich Davison. Hello. So, Steep, the the uh, the black sheep of the Ubisoft announcements from 2016, it's probably <laughs> safe to say. Uh, developed by Ubisoft Annecy, the new newly formed or the the newest formed of the Ubisoft uh, development houses at that time. Probably quite unknown to many, but they actually previously did assist with multiplayer modes in both Assassin's Creed and Splinter Cell, both of which we've talked about on Kane and Rinse in the past, and both of which I was actually a big fan of. Um, published, obviously, by Ubisoft themselves. Uh, two directors attached to the project. Um, Apologise for my pronunciations here. Uh, Igor Manchow and Arno Rago. Mansio, the lead director on the project, did actually claim that the game was a passion project developed by uh, Ubisoft Annecy and a natural progression for the studio themselves, and that it was designed to be accessible for newcomers and complex for fans of the genre. The game was released December 2nd, 2016, so we're quickly approaching four years. The game was released on Windows platforms, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Uh, there was a Switch version originally announced, however, that was later cancelled. So, in terms of the feedback on the game, uh, it currently sits at 71% based on 81 reviews at OpenCritic. Let's talk about our histories. Uh, we'll start with Charlotte. So, my history with this kind of game sort of goes way, way back to the SSX and Tony Hawk titles when I really got into playing board sports on consoles um i i kind of think that ssx tricky i think it was ssx tricky not ssx3 was the first of these kinds of games that i played and i just used to play it for hours and hours and hours on end like i just used to sit there and rack up scores and i, I dread to think of it actually because i'm not sure if i would have been like a really good competitive player of the game like if I go back and look at my my scores on my ps2 memory card like I just put so many hours into that game and I don't even have any concrete record of of what I did um and the same kind of goes a bit for Tony Hawk Underground and Underground 2 and sort of the same sort of genre of skating around snowboarding around just doing tricks and you know just just zoning out sort of games was really really my jam when I was like 11 12 13 years old so i have this really fond memory of those games and i've since gone back and tried to play them i've tried to play skate um i've tried to play i think i've played one of the newer ssx games and it just doesn't hit the same way and not only that but when i go back and try and play the old ones i can't rack up those good scores anymore i just can't it's just um i just don't have the timing anymore so I was kind of excited to try out Steep, um, not because I'm a diehard fan of the genre anymore, but just to see if it was a way for me to get back into those games. And I quickly found out that if I went into the games on the basis of my prior enjoyment obsession, maybe with SSX Tricky and SSX3, I was going to be terribly disappointed because that's not what Ubisoft were trying to do with those games. So I tried to sort of adjust my expectations and go into it knowing that it's more of an open world adventure and it's about trying out, you know, different sports like flying with a wingsuit. And yeah, I think I'll get into this obviously more during the podcast, but yeah. sort of a mixed bag, really. Okay. And how about yourself, Rich? 
it, it's it's kind of oddly um, familiar with um, Charlotte's sort of recollection of, of snowboarding and snowboarding games, except probably a, a generation earlier. Um, for me, um, my affinity with snowboarding games came from from Cool Borders and Cool Borders Two, and um, I think Cool Borders Three was out on the PlayStation One, and then obviously followed on to SSX, SSX Tricky, and in much the same way, SSX Three is bizarrely one of the most formative games for me of any game I've ever played. It, it kind of informed my music taste to like an incredible degree, my kind of fashion sense, and my love of actual snowboarding. I, I do try and go snowboarding at least once a year. And I know, Carl, you and I were threatened to go to, to do some snowboarding lessons earlier this year together, uh, were it not for the fact that COVID had stepped in and, and put the kibosh on that. Um where this game became particularly interesting for me was during that 2016 E3 reveal from uh, Ubisoft's, um, I forgot what the event's called now, but during that Ubisoft conference. And um, it was just an, an open world game. And we'd had a similar game of that ilk in Sean White snowboarding and the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era. And I, and I love that game to pieces because it was just a like a, a sort of pseudo open world where you could go in there and play online with your friends. But to find that they had kind of augmented it and added in additional game modes in the form of uh, sort of skiing and um, wingsuits and, and all sorts of stuff, it just blew my mind. And I could not wait to get a hold of this. Which is interesting because I didn't. In fact, actually, my first in uh, foray into this game was during January of 2018 when this came on to uh, PlayStation Plus. And it's something that I played uh, almost consistently throughout. I now have the Platinum Trophy on Steep for, for some weird reason. I think it's just through patience and, and, and playing it consistently. And um, it's something that's probably never, ever going to not be on my PlayStation 4's uh, hard drive. So it's interesting there that you mentioned the the... Ubisoft conference in 2016 for the announcement because I was incredibly excited about Ubisoft. It always finished with a bang. It actually piqued my curiosity more than a lot of other games and it went straight on my Christmas list that year and a really good friend of mine actually bought me it on the PlayStation 4 um, and yeah, I booted it up on Christmas Day of that year and felt thoroughly confused, <laughs> basically. Um, didn't really understand what was going on um thought i'll leave it for another day as i often do um later again picked it up on xbox one in cheap in a sale uh my ps4 had i'd, I'd since lost my save data and stuff moving from the pro to uh, moving from the standard uh, console to a pro um i'd settled in as the xbox uh, one x as my primary console and i'd kind of moved on to there and just picked it up cheap in a sale and you know on a whim ended up putting it on um and and that was kind of my introduction was you know the the epitome of probably peaks and troughs um, in in terms of actually getting my hands on it. So with Steep, uh, we have a game that we've already alluded to: uh, snowboarding, skiing. Um, it's it, it's it's set in the Alps, a relatively famous skiing uh, destination. I would say not one that I've ever been to. I've never actually been skiing. Uh, I, I can categorically say I am better in video game form than I am in real form. It's centred on the Mont Blanc region of the Alps, uh, the tallest mountain range in Europe, and it, it's relatively big. We we did end up getting further settings added to the game. Um, Alaska, centred on Denali, uh, the tallest mountain range in North America, and later we got Korea and Japan uh, for the Pyongyang uh, 2018 Olympics DLC as well. Um, so we weren't just limited to one, but at the start we only had the Alps as a range. So we have some feedback from Mont Blanc on the forum, uh, the best way to enjoy Steep 
is to play it nice and casual as you like, just sweeping and carving and gliding your way down a gorgeous mountain, setting and starting all over again when you get to the bottom. Steep doesn't offer much depth in design or gameplay, but it feels Woof. nice, is easy to pick up, and offers some serene moments of mindfulness, if you can avoid ever hitting square. And that is enough for me to plug in every now and again. Taking on the challenges can be also be addictive, but only in short doses. I admire the ambition, but this is just a game. So we'll get more onto the points made there. However, we do have a quote from Ubisoft CCO Serge Haskowet. The game is becoming less important. What interests me is to make worlds that are interesting to me, even as a tourist. So it's quite interesting there that there's probably differing opinions on what the game is actually about from the forum feedback from Montblanc, as well as the actual potential intention from Ubisoft themselves. I think you've probably got something to say on this, Rich. Well, yeah, I, I find that, I, I mean, I don't want to be divisive towards the community and I certainly respect the, the, the forumite who's came in there to put forward some opinions on it. I think that's probably quite a, a kind of facile opinion of the game itself. So if we look at the way that the game was designed, it seems to me that Ubisoft are quite proud of the fact that the mountain was derived first and then the, the kind of character design came secondly before the actual mechanics came third. So I think there's a, a very compelling argument in there to suggest that the actual freedom and the, the ethos of, of game giving the, the player a world in which to inhabit is the, the sort of simple idea. But when you play the, the amount of steep that I have, you realize that, that there is actually a really robust game and it's full of sort of really well-considered and well-curated challenges that are in there that aren't necessarily um, compatible with that particular opinion. So I think it, it's just worth bearing in mind that, that, that on the surface it might appear that way, but actually when you dig a little bit deeper, it's not quite the case in my opinion. What, what I struggle with a little bit is this idea that the mountain comes first and sort of the, the surroundings that are being crafted comes first. I think in terms of the challenges and sort of the range, I would totally agree with Rich that they've really genuinely thought about putting some some really unique sort of challenges. For example, one that I, I uh, wrote down was uh, when you ride through sort of a toboggan or like a bobsleigh course and you sort of have to try and stay on this loop. Like that's something I've not seen before really. And that that bit I agree with. But what I have difficulty with is I feel like you're not going to get the most out of this if you're playing on like, for example, a PS4 Slim like I was, because I remember being more wowed by other games I've played um, compared to this one in terms of like being awed by my surroundings. I It, it, it felt a little bit cookie cutter to me, like the, these these half pipes and stuff and the um, the toboggan um ride for example was unique but the mountain itself didn't feel all that special to me like the the snow and sort of the the forests it all felt a little bit repetitive after a while yeah no, I, I think it, it is always going to be a game that's going to divide opinion in this regard um we do have some feedback on the forum in and around this topic themselves. So we have Alex79UK said, I was initially excited by Steep, having been a fan of the SSX series on the PlayStation 2. However, after a few hours, I just found it all a bit dull. Progression was confusing. The mountain view didn't really help with finding which event you should be doing next. The open world was pointless because who wants to just wander around a mountain doing nothing? All in all, a rather boring experience and not one I feel the need to go back to. 
And STV Norman followed that up with uh, SSX3 is one of my favourite games ever. I still play it at least once a month. Not only is it enormous fun and everything else it's been lauded for, but it makes me feel like the snowboarder I'll never be. Steep, on the other hand, makes me feel like the snowboarder I am. It's all a bit middle-aged and boring compared to SSX. It's completely soulless too. I just don't know why I'd ever choose to play it over that. It's such a fascinating conversation really because when you and i probably start a lot of my conversation off at this when you play steep in the the amount that i play steep snowboarding is not what i'm doing the most part of the time and, and nor is skiing for that matter it's kind of taken in a, a sort of combination of the many many different examples of sports and trying to sort of use all of them in combination with the mountain to to draw fun out so i think it's a slightly unfair comparison to draw the connection with with ssx3 and I think it's something that Ubisoft perhaps recognized as well. So I've, I've tried and I failed to kind of go back and, and put together a sort of like internal history of how Steep's kind of progressed since it was uh, released in 2016. Because I think at the beginning, there was something that prohibited your ability to cut around the mountain in the way that you can do now. And, and just for those who haven't played it before, you can instantly drop in at any part of the mountain using a helicopter ticket tickets which were at one point i think a monetized thing and they've since redacted that and it's something that's now open and available to everybody else so i think that kind of identity crisis that we're recognizing in some of the the correspondence and some of the reviews that we're seeing here is something perhaps that ubisoft themselves recognized snowboarding is often seen as a niche thing isn't it It, it's that's its genre and therefore you're always going to be compared to ssx but it's comparing steep to ssx is and I think you said this, Rich. It's it's like kind of comparing the racing in Grand Theft Auto to Gran Turismo. You're doing the same activity in both, but it's an entirely different experience. Yeah, I mean, but on the other hand, a difficulty I've had is I keep saying, oh, the reason I am not happy with this, this aspect is because I'm expecting it to be like SSX. And it's not like SSX, that's false thinking. But the question is, where is it just that the game falls flat for me and where is it that I'm comparing it too much with SSX? That's a really tough line to walk, to be honest. It's it's really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think that's what makes for such an interesting discussion about Steep. It's not going to be the game for everyone, as all experiences are different for every person. So before we get into the actual the meat of the game, because there is quite a lot there to discuss... Um, I thought that the first topic would be in and around the graphics and sound. Um, I think we've already touched on this, uh, Charlotte. You mentioned you were playing it on like a, a PlayStation Slim. Um, I've played it on a, a, an original PlayStation and a Xbox One X, um, and they are different experiences. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, and what what did you play it on, Rich? Uh, base PS4. Yeah, base PS4 mm, as well. Okay. Has anyone got anything to say on the graphics and, and the sound specifically? Well, on the PS4 Slim, it's it's fine, but it's not breathtaking. And I think that was one of the major disappointments for me. Not not like a disappointment against the game per se, but I was convinced it was just because I was playing it on a Slim. And the the experience was disappointing, even if it was because of my hardware and not because of the game itself. Because, but But then it's like... I've I've felt really cool in um, I'm comparing it to sports games again, but basically I I didn't think it was like a 
a deal breaker necessarily but for some reason with steep i was expecting it to be more like wow the mountain <laughs> i just didn't feel like that it, it it felt a bit blocky sometimes and a bit like fairly okay ps4 graphics but nothing special really i don't know what i would say is uh, I, the anvil 2.0 engine is is immediately recognizable so the first thing i thought when i fired this up is wow okay yeah i can definitely see Ghost Recon Wildlands, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Assassin's Creed Origins, Odyssey. It, it's it's instantly kind of identifiable based around the way things move and the way things look. And um, I, I kind of reciprocate a lot of your observations on the the way that um, the, the graphics in, in, in the game are. I think it looks better at a far away distance than it does at close. Obviously, with it being uh, based around the Alps, the large colour palette is uh, somewhat monotone. Um it's primarily whites and greys, uh, browns and blues. Uh, not in a PlayStation 2 way. <laughs> Entirely different browns and blues. Um, but this is not, you know, you see something like Assassin's Creed Origins, which, you know, we've covered on this podcast, which is just gloriously stunning. Um, this has a different feeling. It, it It's far more ethereal in terms of an experience for me, in terms of when, when I'm playing it, I have more of an emotional connection to the world that I'm I'm navigating than I do an actual visual or inspiring experience. Um, and and that, that's, it's an unusual feeling for me playing a game to, to have that kind of connection. And I, th- I think this is probably where we're going to sit on different sides about the importance of it being mountain first, because it's buried somewhat in that sense of realism for me that things should be quite muted and subtle and not just spectacular and awe-inspiring. So, you know, you mentioned the the toboggan um, track, uh, the broken toboggan track, um, which is a a brilliant example of an area that completely stands out and is really, really memorable. But the first time that I encountered that toboggan track wasn't in an event. I discovered it skiing down a track and it felt like a little hidden nugget of a special area that I discovered for 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 me, I did a lot of exploring and not a lot of um immediacy in terms of the actions of getting to events. But I but I, I completely understand the point as well, and and I think that this is kind of what starts to separate Steep from its peers, right? Is that yeah. the, there is that element of discovery there? Just on the graphics, I think one of the the important things that stands out for me is this is not the first game in which you have an entire mountain to descend. In fact, that was 2003 with, with SSX3. So the, the concept of that being a, a marketing point is probably null and void. But what it is for me is the first game in which you can look at somewhere in this absolutely like mammoth mountain set. In fact, there's three ranges in total. And you can point somewhere and go, that looks absolutely fascinating. I am now going to spend the next 20, 30 minutes getting there or just, just quick travel in there. And it is immediate and it's so accessible. And the the way that things sort of uh, progress from where you are to where you want to be is is this this incredible sense of scale and depth and, and scope. And quite often it becomes something that becomes like a... Um, how to describe it? Almost like a like an evening that I set aside and I just muck around in it. And I think, yeah, okay, I, I, here's my overall target, and I'm going to get there somehow. And and the graphics work really well to give you that sense of like uh, scope and size, and the topography all seems to match, and and it's just wonderful. I have something maybe a bit blasphemous to say about the sound, 
Um, I did also kind of achieve this zen-like quality with Steep eventually where I would just switch it on and just muck around in it for a few hours and like a bit of my brain would be switched off kind of like in the old days. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. It's not like I'm not here, but I'm like just so sort of relaxed that some part of my brain is switched off. But anyway, um, because of that, it was like, pretty nice to switch on a podcast and play this game i know i'm not saying the sound design was bad i'm saying that this was one of those games where i just loved to like chill out with my favorite podcast series and just fiddle about in the game for a couple of hours at a time like so if you're the sort of person who say says you know game music is not really my cup of tea and i do like listening to podcasts and killing two birds with one stone i think this is a really good game to do that with I, i'd say it's one of the better games i've played to do that with yeah on 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 the the, the music and, and such i think the it was a really good choice to bring in zikali that um sort of um a group of, of sound artists and, and visual artists that, that do work for games and for movies and such because the kind of palette that they've chosen to, to express some of that thing is, is all very meditative. So there's things like gongs and bells and such that just put you into this kind of fugue state that you might want to be in when you're trying to relax. What I will say on the other side is I'm not a huge fan of the licensed music that they employed during this game. I think it's incredibly repetitive and um, often um, like provides like a, a bit of a dichotomy to what you're doing and one that isn't necessarily conducive to like a very positive gaming experience like i know when i'm trying my 50th attempt at an exceptionally difficult wingsuit i don't want to hear more punk because i'm already <laughs> anxious and and frustrated enough thank you very much give me a different uh a different range of music please absolutely um so in regards to the gameplay then i think this is the, the there's a lot there to dissect and discuss with a game this big. So this is an online world. Uh, you do actually see other players uh, around in an online environment. You can actually change a setting so that you don't make contact with them. Um, I did find out very frustrating when I got wiped out by a quote-unquote ghost player um, online, which <laughs> ruined a particularly good run. Thankfully, you can turn that off. You do still yeah, see the players. I kept getting like, stuck in other players. Like I'd load back to a checkpoint and i'd sort of be stuck on their skis or something yeah yeah it, it, it's quite quite frustrating because it when you restart events it's on a very set spot which everyone gets um which is the complete kind of antithesis to the whole approach to the game if you don't go from to events and that that is a little bit frustrating so so just on that before we, we move forward like so i work in in um in development and I work specifically in, in non-functional requirements, which is to do with the, the sort of back-end uh, services that support these kind of online interactions. And to think about how impressive it is that they've actually brought in a world of this size that in real time tracks that many players, the amount of kind of like, I don't know, the, the, just the transactions and the computing that goes on behind there to give you that seamless experience that is exceptionally impressive. When you look at its its kind of Anvil 2.0 peers, let's take the Division 2, for example, that is is very different. It, it doesn't do the same thing. There's hubs in which you can interact with other players, but it deposits you into your own instance. So the fact that there is like practically zero loading to get you between a player that you can see off in the distance um, and to where you are now, for me, is, is just an exceptionally impressive uh, feat. So probably getting on to... The, the core element of the game here, um, we've all referenced snowboarding, 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 and that's far from the only thing that you can do in this world. Um, 
you know, it, it was kind of front and center of the advertising campaign. Uh, although, ironically, not on the um, the, the actual official marketing was was a different discipline. But in terms of the, the the core body, and a lot of the events are made up of snowboarding, but it's completely interchangeable between snowboard and skis. So if you prefer being on skis, you can do those events as a skier. Um, and they take place as either races um, and checkpoint races or score attacks, uh, which is a case of doing tricks. This isn't a game where you're going to be doing the crazy, uh, insane tricks that you would see in something like SSX. Um but at the same time, it's not. We're not talking sim quality. You know, if if SSX was Tony Hawk's, steep is skate. You know, you can still do some crazy stuff and land it. Um, but they're, they're the two main core elements of the skiing and snowboarding events. We also have wingsuiting, um, where you score based upon uh, how close you get to the ground. Um, for a, a long period of time up in your multiplier so that risk reward gameplay um, there's also kind of getting through checkpoints involved in that as well there's paragliding um, getting close to the rocks uh, hitting uh, sort of those the, the the idea of capturing the heat and updrafts of the of the rocks to, to stay close to them um, to go quick through checkpoints um, and then there was the later added rocket suit uh, for hilarity and almost certain death situations <laughs> uh, when it all goes wrong, um, going through checkpoint races. Uh, you can also sled on the mountain, which was added in DLC. Uh, and there's a, an event called Mountain Stories, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little later on, as well as the opportunity to simply traverse around on foot um, and, and kind of be an explorer discovering uh, drop zones, points of interest, events, etc. Um, so there's, there is a lot of ways to play this game, um, far more than just uh, skiing and snowboarding. And I guess in that regard, it probably takes it from being less like SSX and more like pilot wings in many ways. Um, and that was kind of the effect that it, that it hit me. It was, this isn't the game where I'm going to go and start doing some crazy stuff it's somewhere between that, the arcade and sim, and somewhere between, you know, uh, like a 1080 snowboarding and pilot wings. And as a huge fan of both of those games, uh, it, it, it was very possible that it could have really disappointed me or hit a sweet spot in terms of in terms of playing it. So regarding the events, guys, the actual, the, the, the probably the meat of the game here. What 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 do we think of the, of the offerings? So, so perhaps we can do it like this. So, I mean, because because there's such a kind of like a massive difference between the the bread and butter, which is the skiing and the snowboarding, and then the remaining items. And the question really is: Is steep a good snowboarding and or skiing game? So, if, I think if we can get that out of the way, we might be able to kind of like understand a little bit more about why steep is a better game in the round. And I have to say, as somebody who spent like there is no in-game timer to my chagrin because it's it's a game I, I want to estimate I probably spent about a hundred plus hours playing, and I now have the platinum trophy. I think that it's a fairly good representation of what snowboarding is. I think it's um, intuitive. It makes a lot of sense. So, for example. The um, left stick is the directional uh, movement for your characters. The left two, the L two trigger and the R two trigger represent 
uh, holding your skis or holding your board in a specific way. Um, so the left trigger represents your left hand and the right trigger represents your, your right hand. And then the right analog stick is reserved for spinning and moving around. And I do find it quite satisfying because it's something that makes you feel like there is a, a genuine sense of inertia and a real control and um, precision about how you maneuver down the mountain. I think that there's very little material difference between skiing and snowboarding i'd be interested to see if anybody else on the team has picked up any any nuances or subtleties or if it's just all in my brain i would tend to go for skis for for any event that required racing and then snowboards for any event that required uh tricks because in my mind uh it's it's quicker to get down the mountain and skis than it is in snowboards but i'm not entirely sure that that's the case I mainly did snowboarding but there was one section i think it was where they introduced to you the concept of weaving around sort of jagged mountains that carving your way sort of left and right through them is a way to rack up points um it seemed as though i was just falling off that constantly i had the bright idea maybe doing this with skis is more stable and it wasn't so i switched back to snowboard <laughs> I, th- I think i did try skis more than that but i sort of came to the conclusion that um snowboarding was marginally better because i'd played snowboarding games and not skiing games but besides from that there wasn't a huge amount of difference so i mostly stuck to snowboarding it's also way my... cooler <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but also I, I think i i had the same sort of feeling as rich that it was it was like a very how i would imagine snowboarding to actually be not having done snowboarding in the sense of things did feel quite difficult and i did get better over time because yeah everything felt heavy you you felt like it took a while to maneuver and like that i was crashing more than i was used to and i think that's just because it's going for realism rather than you know sick tricks or something you really feel in in steep that you're at the you're at the mercy of the topography so quite often you'll be gunning it down a mountain there'll be like a little bevel in the in the snow or some kind of mogul or something like that and despite the fact you're hitting it completely perpendicular you'll fly off in in any real direction because the the topography really has a, a really strong um it's like a strong indicator of exactly where you're going to be heading and what you're doing so i really like that kind of sense of realism about it this is like a a really sort of again an, an embryonic thought but like my, my memories of people telling me about going skiing in the alps is that there are certain slopes that are marked out as beginner slopes and medium slopes and hard like difficult slopes and i feel like did steep have anything like that i know that the events themselves were ranked but i think it would have been great if actual paths were sort of marked out because then I could have started exploring at an easier part and I wouldn't just be ragdolling and thinking, you know, heck this, I'm going to go and do events rather than, (laughs) uh, you know, investigating and just falling down a mountain for half the time. That would have been really realistic. (laughs) Yeah, I um, I agree. I think... um... It, it it probably doesn't do necessarily a good job of giving you like a difficulty curve or a way to kind of maneuver through the events or certain parts of the mountain that are considered to be um, easier than others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, regarding the exploration, that's almost like the ability to go and, and freehand your journey down is kind of the additional gameplay mode that isn't actually a mode it's the mode between the modes but there is complete freedom so um this this is one of the 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 key points of the game here is that there is an element of freedom that we're always sold in open world games but yet don't ever pay the results that were promised 
So, you know, we're told we can go anywhere in these games, and then the second that we go there, we actually find enemies that are just a higher level than you and, and, and just kill you, and you kind of fi- find out by, you know, trial and error whether you can or can't go into that area. You know, it, it always makes me think of something like Fallout 3 where... You leave the vault, you can go wherever you want, but you actually find out that there's death claws in every direction bar one, so that's the direction you actually have to go. Steep's kind of the opposite. It tells you you can go anywhere, and you can actually go anywhere From very completely early on as well. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's also very forgiving in the sense that, it, in spite of the fact that like you, you might not sort of see this very often, it's actually very difficult to crash because the way that the the tricks are built up is such that so providing you let go of of the directional part or you let go of the grab very sort of late on in the in the tricks kind of um time span you're kind of going to land with very little penalty and it's this uh, the concept of the the g meter that builds up the idea is if you continually make risky decisions or you decide to traverse um anything that is considered to be not snow so like rocks or i don't know like anything really water for the sake of uh, argument it's going to build up and then eventually you will bail and i think that's probably a conscious decision made that by the developers not to try and derail the the sort of the momentum and the sort of sense of that flow state that tends to build up as you're playing something like this as you go along absolutely and and that stays outside of events uh, as well as as well as inside of events so um in events where you may be doing score attacks you get your multiplier up so the idea is that you would have that risk reward the higher your trick trick the you know the the more your multiplier goes up the more points you'll score but when you're actually running and the color starts to drain from the screen because you, your level of g's are quite hard and you can only take so many before you you fall or get knocked out or anything to that 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 type you can actually kind of just put the brakes on it a bit slow it down get a bit of recovery and go again obviously that's very difficult for races where you might have to push further but you don't have to take the risk of tricks in those um and 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 your biggest hurdle in those events or as you mentioned rich those the little bumps that, that can't be seen and that that's where steep starts to feel very different from its peers is that downhill always felt like a consistent downhill in cool borders or ssx or anything like that unless you saw something that was very distinctly different in the surface you knew you were going to lift or jump from it there's a lot of you know white on white in steep but those little bumps are incredibly minor but they're just enough to throw you off that line that you really need to hit to get to to get down that that run really quickly and that's where the little challenge sits in, in those events, um, and it, it's those subtleties, those little difficulties of, of just getting a perfect run, but it also means that you could go to the top of the Alps and do a 100 runs down in the same direction, and potentially none of those runs will come across the same way be- because of those little subtleties of you getting bounced off in different directions, um, but obviously the scale of it and, and taking these different turns, maybe jumping a little bit differently, and, and, and that for me was absolutely fascinating because... You know, we're talking, I, I must be over 60, 70 hours in this game on just the Xbox alone. And I never felt like I was seeing the same thing multiple times in runs. Yeah, while we're on the the top the topic of, of skiing and snowboarding, I think um, 
really, for me, it seems that the design ethos is to almost create a, a type of skiing that is amenable with the concept of just chill out play, as well as something that's uh, agreeable with like hardcore racing. And there's some really, really difficult, really obnoxious tracks in this game that see you kind of weaving through like a tightly native forest. Um, as well as uh, the middle of a, a kind of small urban settlement. And I think really what you've got to consider is that maybe the two aren't necessarily compatible. And I like to think that they did a really good job of finding a, a core gameplay mechanic that, that sort of is fit for purpose for both of them. I think there's a really strong argument that it's not the best uh, depiction of snowboarding or the most um, competitive way or competitive type of snowboarding that I've seen in the game ever. I think that still has to go down to SSX3. But other than that, I, like, I, I do enjoy it, and I, and I think it's perfectly serviceable for the for the purposes that it's required. It does, it does try to do a lot of new things. Like, I don't remember weaving through trees being part of anything I've tried before. For good reason, also... Charlotte. It's really difficult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also, um, some of the score attack tracks... You can actually, it's it's more effective to rack up points by doing this weaving through difficult parts of the, the terrain than actually doing tricks. There was one where it's like there's a ditch in the ground to the left and it's like you can technically do half pipe style tricks all the way down. Um, but on some of the runs I tried on that, I actually scored most of my points through yeah. just just drifting through difficult parts of terrain. And that's actually a really good feeling because you're like, oh, I've done all these like front side 720 tricks and i've got like 200 points out of it and then you just ride through something and you get a thousand points and you're like oh wow actually it's it's rewarding me on more than you know to go back to that trope sick tricks but actually how my whole run actually looks and that's pretty cool yeah i mean there is that freedom of creativity about how you approach these events we're not talking you might have a path that's quite clear that you've got to take but there's usually scope to do or your own approach to go about getting the results. And I think that, that that that's a huge factor in terms of the skiing and snowboarding. And for me, that's what puts it actually above its peers as a, snow, a skiing and snowboarding game. Um, I, I, I would say that this is actually my very favourite because of the little subtleties, um, the the little nuances that are there. The, uh, the not necessarily making it arcade, um, but having that fun. Uh, I think my biggest issue, uh, and then this kind of carries across probably all the disciplines, is that we have the three disciplines, uh, the three difficulties assigned to events that for me didn't always align to the challenges. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I absolutely indeed, agree. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned the weaving between trees or, a, a, as we steep fans call it, lumberjack. Yeah, um, most difficult <laughs> which mission Which is in actually the classed game. as a medium. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And how an event that I sat for three hours to get a gold medal in could be classed as medium, and yet there are hards that I'll do first go. For me, it was the very last thing that popped before I got the platinum trophy, and there was a point where I, I actually sort of threw my hands up in the air and thought that this is there is no way i think i'm ever going to do this because it it, it racks up all of the the really complicated thing weaving through trees throwing muggles out in the middle of, of nowhere and blind white spots that mean that you've got no clue about what's coming up and and steep is a game as well where 
you could make probably the same move on like the exact same move every time on every run and some kind of physic is going to come and interfere with you and give you give you the, like a completely different outcome and the way that you need it so so like yeah. that that is an absolutely like perfect analogy like there is no continuity between what's difficult and what isn't the the other thing about um the the score attacks that I find particularly difficult not, and not not just because the races are kind of largely dominated by obstacles that you need to negotiate around is there's very little kind of consistency in in how the score comes about so there are certain score attack modes where it will prefer it will prefer you to do grinding tricks than it will doing anything that requires like a big air trick and then there are it, it, there's vice versa in other situations and the grinding on this game's not always the most reliable like you have to be quite accurate to be able to land on something with any real predictability and it's a huge part of the dlc as well which i'm sure we'll get to with that the next event wingsuiting potentially a lot of area to get something wrong or if it was a skiing game and they put the majority of time into that it could feel like maybe the quality didn't relate to the other events so in regards to the wingsuit, how did you guys feel about the wingsuit events? I really liked them, even though I couldn't do a lot of them. Like the ones that I could manage, I, I really enjoyed. Um, I think it was, to be honest, it, a lot of it was the novelty factor that I'd just not experienced anything like that in a different game, especially the rocket wingsuit. Are we going to do the rocket wingsuit <laughs> with the wingsuit? Or? We'll, do the rocket suit. we'll do the rocket suit after the wingsuit. Okay, but but nevertheless, the 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 normal sort of wingsuit, um, sort of riding with the wind and sort of manipulating yourself through these tight, sort of cracks in like rock faces. It, it could be very frustrating, and like I said, there were some courses I just couldn't get the hang of. But when you cracked it, it was a really positive feeling. Like I, I, I think in a way, I actually I only really started to enjoy the game once I started playing the wingsuit stuff like i'm not saying that i didn't enjoy this snowboarding stuff but once i had like that bit of variety and that new thing to try i appreciated the rest of the game a lot more i'm, I'm so pleased that you say that because that's exactly the same journey that i went through i used to dread the wingsuit sections and it um so so my platinum trophy came about two or three months ago when i really tried to knuckle down in order to to get uh prepared for this show and I used to spend evenings at a time trying out single uh, wingsuit courses like Flying Fox, and that's one that's easy sort of, again, weaving through trees. There's a there's a theme here. And uh, ones that require you to sort of like really, really like accurately move around the rock faces and rock formations in such a way that it's just exceptionally difficult. But what I, what I find in there is that there is a really well-considered, almost very simple game that's that's deceptively difficult and, and rewarding to go through. So so just to sort of describe what it is, the left trigger, uh, sorry, the left trigger and, and right trigger do absolutely nothing in this case. You've only got two kind of um, ways of interacting with the wingsuit. The left stick will sort of gently and very discreetly move your character left and right. In what I like to think of as something that is is quite like uh, Star Fox. It's almost like a on-the-rails type of uh, movement, and, and the right stick will uh, very quickly and erratically move you to the left and to the right, which gives you just that smallest sort of... Um, tweak uh, that, that gives you that kind of mobility that you might need in some of the more difficult courses and where it gets really complicated is trying to keep your height above the ground in certain instances or keep your proximity to the ground very close in other instances and 
there's there's nothing like it. I, I don't think I've played another wingsuit game. I know Just Cause uh, has a wingsuit in it, but it's it's not one that uh, feels as responsive and in a media as as it does in Steep. Um, I think it's a fantastic addition to the game. In 2013, I wrote a review for a game called um, Skydive Proximity Flight for the Kane and Rince uh, website. It was it was a game just for this, and it was on the PlayStation Three, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. And I kind of wanted that experience again, maybe something a little bit more polished. And that is exactly what Ubisoft uh, put into this game. It never felt forced. Um, I think it was the 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 dialing it back to the basics allowed the game mode to completely shine. And you know, you you mentioned the the idea that you're flying close to some rock formations. It's more the flying through those rock formations that it's kind of, or, or in many cases, into. Um, it is the the more extreme element of the game, but you do it with gritted teeth. You know, you hold your breath for the whole time. You you, you flinch. You feel in the in the mode. It's very very responsive, but you follow a path where. There's only so much you can do as a result of falling physics. Um, and, and this one, again, it falls into races or um, actually score by getting as close to the ground or staying as close to the ground as you possibly can over events. And some of these wingsuit events are incredibly difficult, particularly where you're weaving left and right. And I think the only the only mechanic you've got is that you can kind of do like a side shift over, yeah. um, which I don't think I ever needed to use on any event. But... Um, there was there was one event in particular I can't remember the name of it, but it involved going through a lot of different rock formations. That I, I think it took me about three to four hours of just uh, retry I, I and retry and well. retry. Yes. Um, and it felt as polished, if not slightly more polished, maybe because of the purity of it and not having tricks and stuff to go with it than the skiing. That it was a welcome addition to the other disciplines because it was so good in in how controlled you always felt, uh, how in control you always felt of the character. Um, it it followed the same rule set consistently, so nothing ever felt particularly unfair. Um, and it, it really is that risk reward, isn't it? Of how close can you cut it to that rock that's coming, that's jutting out the ground? Can you get down that ravine? Can you skim between the trees? Like, and you always, it's that case of how comfortable are you pushing it that little bit more that little bit more over and over again and that has to be reflective of of the actual like competitive oh um, yeah wingsuit as well and and so because of that i think it it just sort of needs to be sort of held up as something that really really reflects the the appeal and the sport behind wingsuits that, that's there yeah it, it sort of gave me the same feeling as when i've watched um there's, there's a couple of documentaries about extreme rock climbing on netflix and disney plus where people are sort of free handing um i forget what it's called that, that big rock face in california that's a huge challenge for everybody and that feeling of watching somebody sort of like reach a toe over to this really tricky sort of ledge that they've got to perch themselves on and thinking oh no they're gonna fall they're gonna fall they're gonna fall I, I got that same feeling when i was swooping towards a rock face and about to hit it and that's i think that's a really good you know positive seal of approval for that side of the game that i was getting that little bit feeling of dread in my stomach not too much but just a little bit when i got a bit too close yeah. to the edge of a rock face 
it, it's that adrenaline rush, isn't it? That little, the, the little shakes that you get when you know you kind of just got away with something that, you know, taking that short breath of like, ooh, that was a relief. And yeah, for me, um, I, I just thought that the, the wingsuit was always a pleasure, no matter how frustrating the events were. Um, probably the most related to the wingsuit was the rocket suit. Um, so an event that was added uh, or had more events added later on as part of DLC. I know originally the approach was that you had to buy this using resource points that you'd gathered in the game. Um, it later became unlocked if you want the DLC anyway, um, and it was included in the year one season pass. Um, the rocket suit, so if the wingsuit felt pretty extreme, the rocket suit kind of took it to the next level where you would essentially hold the trigger for a jetpack or a jet rocket on your back um, to quite often make it through uh, ring events where you would have to get through the checkpoints. I mean, it's basically Superman 64, but it just doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that for, for those that, that obviously have played Superman 64, you, you know what I'm getting at. Um, and this, this was a great way, obviously, to traverse the mountain as well. I think it's important to state that all of these disciplines can be played inside and outside of events, however you want to navigate the mountain range. Uh, the rocket suit certainly made things a lot quicker to get from point to point. But in it, terms it's of its so events, difficult. It, it really it, is because the yeah. rocket suit, if, if the wingsuit requires you to make really delicate, precise kind of nuanced movements to be able to shift around, the rocket <laughs> suit has you making turns, like 90 degree right angle turns like Tron 1982. It is so difficult and if i spent a day trying to complete a gold ranked uh wingsuit um trial then you're damn right i spent the two to three days playing nothing but rocket suit because it is so difficult yeah. but it's it's so mm -hmm. much fun and and it's a great way of cutting around the mountain it's also a bit of an, a, a sort of exercise for the logical part of your brain because if you're doing i think there was one rocket suit checkpoint race where basically you had to tell your brain right, I'm going downhill in this rocket suit. I should not be accelerating. Even though I'm in a race, I should not be going faster at this point. And and there was like that sort of challenge where actually sometimes in a race, it's kind of dangerous to go too fast, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that was quite a fun challenge that, you know, the, the solution to races is sometimes not just to go faster. The fact that we got far more events included as DLC, I was very happy with that. It is incredibly difficult um everything's on kind of a hair trigger you, you, things can go wrong in like a fraction of a second and a lot of the events kind of similar to the ones that you mentioned there charlotte are the, the type where you kind of need to remember what's coming up and just muscle memory the movements rather than react in the moment you, you kind of got to be aware of what's coming to, to get yourself into position. And again, it felt completely different from the other modes. It didn't feel like it was a tacked-on addition to the wingsuit. It felt like a substantial element to the game to play. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of times you, your character getting knocked out. Um, quite hilariously so at times. Um, yeah... I was a, I was a fan. I, I I didn't enjoy it as much as the wingsuit, but I definitely, you know, I, I thought it was a very good additional element to the game, um, and you know, incredible by far the quickest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it 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 kind of became my preferred. Well, actually, even stronger. I think so. I kept saying in the the Slack that I was hitting walls with my progression and that I couldn't 
level up faster because I just wasn't finding enough places because I didn't want to buy helicopter tickets. I wanted to save up for bigger things so I could see more substantial parts of the game. So I was like just trying to get to, to these drop zones and it, it sort of changed the game for me significantly when I started using the rocket powered win- wingsuit to get to these drop zones because I was unlocking so many different courses at that point and I could try so many different things if I felt like I was hitting a wall that I suddenly started leveling up like two or three times faster than I was before and it just made the game a lot more fun for me because I do have a problem with um, enjoying a game when I'm hitting walls like that. Not everybody is bothered by leveling up slowly, but I am, so that really helped me. And, you know, you mentioned leveling up slow in this game and... This is not a game that you hit level 50 very quickly in. <laughs> I think it's, it's probably safe to say. I mean, I am, I'm not level 50 after 60 or 70 hours. Nor am I. Um, I'm, I'm level 41 after 100 or so hours and with the full platinum trophy as well. So Yeah, I think, I think I'm 37. So, yeah, leveling up is definitely not something that happens quickly uh, in this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can we have a quick chat about the the black sheep, paragliding and sledding? Well, yeah, let's, let's we'll talk about paragliding. First. Yeah. So the 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 last of the 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 primary disciplines to the game is paragliding, potentially the most pilot wings like event um, of the game. This is probably the one discipline that annoyed me at first that I really didn't enjoy playing. I couldn't quite figure it out. There was there seemed to be a disconnect between what I was doing, seemingly doing the right thing, but not getting the right results. Um, and, and it was a little bit frustrating. And this simply came down to the fact that if you hold the right trigger, you actually go quicker um, by going into stunt mode. And in that, you, you can kind of do quick turns, you can do big swoops, you can eventually do kind of barrel rolls and, and, and the ilk like that. But it's never made explicitly clear that that will make you go quicker and i ended up doing a a, a search and I, I came across a reddit post when someone was like yeah just press right trigger and you'll find the events considerably easier and an event that i'd actually been kind of banging my head against a wall for an hour on hitting the line getting as close to the rock as possible doing seemingly everything absolutely perfect as soon as i read that first time I did it straight away first time after that by holding the right trigger and it completely opened up the event and in the end I can genuinely say that I adore paragliding in this game. It's a it's a different change of pace, isn't it really? So I suppose like the, really the mechanic is. behind it is is if you want to ascend, because obviously gravity, uh, you need to sort of maneuver yourself as close to either the the side of a mountain or 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 like the ground as possible so that the air that gets knocked against the side of the mountain ablates and and lifts you up in the same way a thermal might so you have this incredibly like difficult the the um the paragliding um parachute is like pendulous and keeps you in in a sort of constantly moving position so often you can be where you feel that you're nowhere near the side of a mountain then all of a sudden you are pie facing it into the side of a mountain and then losing but what i like about the um the paragliding is not necessarily the races to the top of the mountain it, they are events that have like 15 minute time limits at some time and it's just incredibly relaxing because you usually yeah, get very there is a 15 minute event and it's nice yeah <laughs> how about yourself charlotte how did you feel about the paragliding events i wouldn't say i hated them but at the same time they definitely weren't my favorite i think 
there's this idea that in in wingsuit events it feels in a way like the wind is kind of your constant companion whereas in um in paragliding events it's like your enemy um i I came across a couple of very frustrating events for example the one where you're in an extremely windy sort of cavernous area and you have to sort of go through the mist and get to the top of the mountain and i just did not enjoy that one bit and and likewise i think i know what track you're talking about the one where you can do everything right but if you're not pressing the r2 trigger then yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna get it um but i wouldn't say i was particularly aggravated by those events i just thought well there's other events and there's other like modes of transport in steep i can try i'll just do something else so um, I think I enjoyed paragliding the most when there was one of the uh, follow the rider scenarios with the paraglider because um, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but in my experience with follow the rider, you don't actually have to follow them that much. But I could just <laughs> yeah. sort of like wander no. <laughs> around with the, par- with the pa- uh, paragliding and, you know, just, just have some fun with it. I think that's an event that's, sorry, I think that's a mode of transport where I enjoy it more when I'm outside of, a, of an event, to be honest. Yeah, and of course, parachuting and paragliding are something that you do quite commonly um, outside of the actual events because getting out of the rocket suit or the wingsuit and you'll generally parachute your way down and you kind of get your feel for that that kind of movement. And then when you do the paragliding event, it's just learning the additional skills of holding right trigger and getting as close to that rock as possible. And again, heavy risk-reward gameplay uh, of of swinging and swooping close to a rock surface you do have that pendulum of movement that 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 weighted nature that once you've swung in a direction there's no stopping it until you can actually you've kind of hit the peak of that pendulum swing so you've got to kind of account for that as you get close to the rock and for me that was brilliant and again like all the other modes you, your approach to the end is pretty open you know there is always a line drawn for you and one of the things that you get is you, when you start an event, you'll see a line for the bronze medal. And then if you get the bronze, you'll see the line for the silver medal. And then if you get the silver medal, you'll see the line for the gold medal. Um, and, and that's that's a brilliant way for you to the game to consi- consistently teach you and also reward you at the same time. Um, and whilst you can ignore them quite heavily in many events in the paragliding it's absolutely essential to kind of get your bearings of where you're going and le- and learn from there um and the 15 minute mission was it sounds like it should be an awful experience right a 15 minute event like that is absolutely shocking and yet it 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 might be my very very favorite one in the game turned out to be a paragliding mission for 15 minutes yeah, and, and it doesn't take 15 minutes if you it, know what you're doing doesn't. as well it doesn't know. There's many quicker ways to do it. I think it, it my first go, I think it took me ten and a half. Yeah. But sounds about I right. I I loved like I, I just it was so peaceful and serene and, and enjoyable. It was fantastic. So they they're your main bread and butter events in term from a competitive soft perspective, but there are two more disciplines. Um sledding. <laughs> uh <laughs> Not something that I particularly did a lot of, but Rich, I think you were a fan. 
Uh, well, I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's bloody useless. Like, it, it comes in uh, no like use at any particular moment in time, but it's good for a laugh. So the thing about sledding is, contrary to the rest of the game, the faster you go, the more likely you are to, to come off. And so it, it doesn't encourage you to do that. The idea is to kind of gently weave down the the mountain in that way there are no events associated with sledding and in no events does sledding give you any particular advantage it's just a novelty thing and i think at one point it was um hidden behind a paywall probably for a very good reason i enjoy it but i couldn't necessarily recommend it as a selling point for the game <laughs> no uh charlotte have you tried it no i think i'm sure i tried to select sledding once and i was blocked because i didn't have the related dlc like I say, I was I was trying like the past couple of weeks to rack up enough points to buy extra stuff in like with in-game currency to see more of the game, and I I think I unlocked a couple of things. I I can't remember off the top of my head what I did, but I I couldn't unlock Asia unfortunately. Um, so no, I didn't try it. I I, I think it I think it's still locked behind some sort of paywall for me, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Okay, and. The last of the event structures uh, is the mountain stories, and I, I, I didn't really know what to make of this when I saw it in the event list the first time, um, because the others are quite self-explanatory. And the very first event that I encountered was a navigation down a mountain with the the mountain itself reciting a story to me, and in that description, it sounds utterly ridiculous. And yet it was quite majestic and, you know, magical the first time I experienced it and, and incredibly relaxing with the, the 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 subtle music in the background, the the sounds of your, your your snowboard or skis in the soft snow and just this voice telling you a story as you make your way which kind of whichever way you want from the top to the bottom. And it was for me it was just utterly brilliant. Like it was so different from everything else, and it was kind of the one thing that was missing. Um, and and I mean, it's far from just that event. You know, there are events where you go and get a, a skier has found a perfect run for you, and you, you get to do the line of a lifetime and follow the rider, and um, th- th- those kinds of aspects. It, it, it's relatively varied. I th- yeah, there's some absolute nonsense versions. Like, there's ones where you've got to find garden gnomes hidden around a mountain. And I'm not just talking within a location. They are all the way around really the diff- mountain. Really, this is massive. Yes. And the diff- they're hard to find. <laughs> it's incredibly unpleasant. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I guess I'm pleased they're there for a little bit of um, diversity, but yeah, not really necessarily the, the, the strongest selling point for the game. No. And how about you, Charlotte? Have you played many mountain stories? Yeah, I tried quite a few of them, and some of them were really fun, like the riding over the snowmen. Um, Follow the Rider was quite relaxing and quite nice. I think, so I did really enjoy them, but I think what felt like it was missing for me, and I think this is a genuine observation of the game and not comparing it to other games, but I wish there'd been some more like solid NPC characters to tie yeah, because because the thing is, people do live in the Alpine region. Like my, I have a friend who lives in Berchtesgaden, which is an, a place in the Alps, and it's like it would have been nice to meet some local townspeople and have them pop up over and over again, and we get to know them through these mountain stories. But that kind of wasn't what this game was going for, and I think that's just me personally. I would have quite liked to have seen that because I do like 
character driven sort of stuff and that was kind of missing from this game but you know that's not for everybody as well so we've spoken there about the uh, the the slow leveling up process of the game and this is done by completing events and you know standard fare but also by filling one of six categories on your way to ultimate legend um and completing kind of memorable moments uh, as part of your runs which there's, there's a long list that make up those criterias um but it's all very subtle and works in the background and, and just kind of happens and you can check your progress that way. Um, and those categories being freestyle, bone collector, extreme rider, pro rider, explorer and free rider. Um, some of those are completely self-explanatory, uh, notably bone collector for just crashing constantly, getting knocked out, explorer for seeing new regions and discovering areas, freestyle for doing tricks, etc. Um, and it, it, it felt like a nice way to level up for just playing a game rather than leveling up as a result of accomplishing a task or a mission. Um, it feels a little bit different for um, a, a kind of an Ubisoft open world adventure game um, in that regard to, to have those avenues to leveling up. Uh, I think at, at this point I've completed three of the six uh, to, to a perfect uh, five stars or six stars. Um, I know you've obviously completed them because there is a trophy attached to them, Rich. Um, and it was just—it's obviously just a, a pretty simplistic gameplay mechanic, but it's—it's it's quite nice nonetheless that that it's there as you don't get that tunnel vision of only leveling up in one way or, or chasing it. It does have that variety there. So, with this being a, a skiing sports-related game. It's probably expected that there is some character customization in there. There is. Uh, there's a lot of branding attributed to the game, notably things like Red Bull, GoPro, etc. Um, and there, there are those kinds of standard skins. The idea that you can add like flares to your backpack or a GoPro camera to your chest, um, different wingsuits, all these kinds of things that that have designs. It's it's you you could buy using an in-game resource that you could actually buy for real cash but you actually unlock so much in the game that for me i don't understand why you would need to sort of buy the the, the in-game currency uh, with real money to do so um and it's relatively subtle it's it's not the most embellished uh customization you'll ever see in a game um for the most part you could just leave it alone and completely ignore it however there is an incredible yeti suit that you can wear when you ski or a flying <laughs> dragon uh, for when you're wingsuiting and a giraffe pretty, as pretty well. essential <laughs> i love the yeti suit <laughs> pretty essential attire for when you need to you know descend the alps has anyone got anything to say on the character customization before we move on to the uh, others you know i think it's kind of probably a bit of a missed opportunity because I'm sure we'll probably cover it across. There really isn't much to the characters and, and there really isn't much of a, an attachment to the character. So that there's never really a sense of need or desire from my part, certainly, to go and, and change any of the actual customization options that are there. And also, I, I kind of find myself almost identifying against quite naturally any of the kind of really egregious marketing kind of um, yeah. product uh, placement that's in the, the game as well. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'd feel mostly the same way. I didn't actually mind GoPro being mentioned because if I'm thinking of these kinds of events, I am thinking of GoPro. 
Um, but yeah, when you hop out of a helicopter and neck a can of Red Bull, that felt a bit weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but relatively subtle. I don't know. I've I um I think it's just because, for example, the gym I used to go to used to regularly on a loop show Red Bull promo videos from these two wakeboarder lads, and they they spent half of these videos doing laddish lad stuff, and then the other half doing wakeboarding stuff. That seeing Red Bull didn't disturb me. Um, yeah. Mm, I think it was more for me the the amount. I think like Nixon, for example, um, sort of consistent with extreme sports. That's okay, but it was just there was just a bit too much of it. I think, um, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. It's, it wasn't on the level of uh, monster being in Death Stranding, for example. Yes, I think that's a fair point. So. There are more things that you can do in this game, um, and find, you know many of the Kane and Rinse team are a huge fan of taking photos in games. There is a pretty comprehensive uh, photo mode in the game. Did anyone take advantage of this? Nope. I, I did because I'm I'm quite a casual fan of photo mode, and I think it's just by proximity of playing a lot of games with uh, Kane and editor Jay Taylor, who is a, a big yeah. fan of, of of photo mode, and I've I've long since tried to get Jay just to download Steep in an effort to try and encourage him to mech around with the um the photo mode and see what he can do. Um, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean there is an orbital camera. Uh, it's a camera that kind of will allow you to move between, well, a certain distance with the player. There's a few different um, filters that you can manipulate. And what's important about it, from my perspective, is that you can change the time of day. It's interesting yes. because it kind of is, like, uh, earlier on, Charlotte, you mentioned that the the sort of video kind of uh, aspects of the game didn't necessarily wow you. But sometimes you can take a photograph in, like, a still screen that just makes the game look absolutely beautiful i think and i know that's subjective and down to taste but um when you well i suppose when you put a filter on anything you can make anything look really good but uh, the photo mode really helps the game shine and show off some of the actual visual effects that are on display especially when it comes to capturing depth and um distance yeah you know i'm not a huge fan of photo mode and maybe that's my punishment for not being into photo mode that i do miss out on some of the gloss on some games um I, sh- I should get into it. I, I, it's one of those things I always think because I have relatively poor hardware, like I don't have a PS4 Pro, that these things just aren't going to do anything for me. But I don't know until you try. I should try photo mode a bit more. Yeah, I mean, one of the things... I So on the Xbox, I'm, I am in a club that is a, an in-game photography club, so it's really easy to share photos there and, and see, obviously, photos from multi multitude of different games, and I did post some steep ones there, and, you know, people comment on them and like them, and that, that felt really good for awarding. But perhaps tying into the photo mode and seeing the opportunities to take those shots is the fact that, you know, you can you can kind of walk and navigate the... the the world of steep and uh, pull out a pair of binoculars and actually search for drop zones that you can land at or points of interest. And I think there's 150 points of interest and 90, I think it's 90 uh, drop zones. Yeah. So you, you are doing a lot of looking down your binoculars to find these areas. And as a result, some, a lot of the time you will actually see areas that you think oh, that that makes for a really pretty photo and it becomes a, a, a photo opportunity. And, 
having something that tied into me taking those photos was really good because it came from a core game mechanic. I didn't actually have to leave that to intentionally take the photo. And I thought, I thought that that was a really nice novel way of actually discovering stuff in the map. And of course, these stuff, these, these areas can also be discovered simply by, you know, skiing or skating past them. And, you know, there would trigger in events as well as actually just free roam in the map. Um, but you can also find them by looking down your binoculars and actually seeing them. Um, and and mountain view is a huge part of this game. So this is your map, essentially, as, as in any other game. But the thing, Steep does a few things a little bit differently. So every event, every uh, navigation around the map outside of events, everything that you do creates a line um, and this is your line of action you know your events any routes that you've found um, and it, it tracks an enormous amount of these and the game will actually warn you when you've been doing so many events that it's going to stop remembering your earlier lines um, I don't know the exact number but it is a substantial amount um, you can check back on your lines on the map. You can kind of see what kind of memorable moments that you hit down that line, the routes, the areas that you met, one of the six uh, ranking criterias um, that we mentioned. And also from there, you can view your replays. You can drop in at any point on that line. You can share those lines with friends for competitions um, and change them between you know time and, and, and points scored. And it, it just opens up this whole area of the game that I didn't actually realize existed for probably my first 30 hours of gameplay that I could actually have all this customization and sharing with friends and getting people involved. Unfortunately, I had a very limited number of friends that played Steep on the Xbox, um, which is a little bit frustrating. Uh, but it was nice to see kind of anything that they'd shared with me or that they could see anything that I'd shared with them. And I thought it was a, re a really nice way of, of sharing content without actively going out and doing something first you know you you might have found a route that was really good such as the one across the the bobsled track um that came across over a hill or something you think oh that's a really interesting way you go back to the mountain view share that map and um share that line and your friends can go and you know take take that on uh, completely unexpected and a, a really nice addition to the game did, it, did did either of you actually play with this feature not really I mean, it's funny talking about having a limited number of people on your friends list who are playing Steep. Can make a joke about just having a limited number of friends in general, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's hey. that's true. Same for me. I, I most of my my friends list um, enjoy things like you know Yakuza, Call of Duty. Steep is just really not their bag. So like, I don't see how sharing between my friends. I, I, it it's not something I would want. Like I kept saying, seeing the multiplayer pop up, and I do have somebody who could play multiplayer with me sat right behind me right now. But he, I just don't think he'd be into it. And I think this is where Steep falls down a little bit. Is that it does really seem to blossom when you have people to geek out with about it. And I just don't really have those people. I I would play Steep on my own and that feels like I'm missing out on some of the experience because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like fascinating point. And I think really f for me, like I've thought about this a lot, like 
the the solution to the problem that they've put in place, which is this really, really robust, dynamic way of interacting with other players who would be there to play a steep, is is a great one. And it's really um, strong and it, it's really intuitive as well. And so it's something that needs to be kind of brought into something something complete, like either something similar or something completely different as a way of kind of really getting the most out of the open world that you've got there. One thing that I've thought a lot about is the the distance between the announcement of Steep and the actual release date of Steep and the amount of marketing and the amount of actual really pushing this component of the game that went in place. So let's kind of inspect that. It was announced in uh, probably the beginning of July, which was the E3 um, Ubisoft conference, and then released in December. And between the actual announcement and the release, I don't think I saw anything. And so I don't think there was really ever a chance this game was going to build up the community and what is already considered to be quite a niche genre. And so I too, like yourself and Charlotte, don't have that community of friends who would be playing it. However, I can guarantee if there was, if I had a single friend who would be playing it, we would pretty much be playing this constantly, nonstop. Because the the, the capacity for competition and for creativity is absolutely tremendous. It really is. It's you know I it's not that I didn't have any friends. I think I had about five different friends that would appear on a on a scoreboard. Um, so there are leaderboards as well on events. So as you enter them, you'll see any friends. Yeah, you know, I think it's your top five friends or your top four friends for an event. You can see their scores or times or whatever the re- relation to the discipline is. Um, so being able to go in and have a target in your mind already was was like a, a really novel, interesting way. And, you know, you can view Nash, uh, like the global leaderboards and download and view ghosts for how events were, you know, if there's any events that you can't take on, there's there's that opportunity there as well to, to see how other people approach the events. And the, there's a lot of features in there kind of under the hood, I think, of this game that are, are very, very good. And if this was the kind of game that you had a lot of friends playing there's potentially endless possibilities and the things that you could do if you were only interested in actually the 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 design and the world of steep and not just the progression of it so creating your own lines and creating events that way my fear is that like this so ubisoft have got a really good record of um and and this feels difficult like Pattern Ubisoft on the back in 2020 after everything that we've gone through, but Ubisoft have got a really good track record of lifting and shifting components out of certain games and integrating them into other games. So let's take, yes. for example, like the the Eagle from Assassin's Creed is pretty much exactly the same. Um, it's a reskin of the exact same thing that happened in Ghost Recon Wildlands and Ghost Recon Break, Breakpoint. In this multiplayer component that they've got, this this line function, I, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed with how intuitive and creative it is. And my fear is that they're just not going to bring it through and they're not going to carry it forward. Now, I know Riders Republic's coming out, so I know that there's going to be some um, sort of compatibility between what they've got in Steep and what they've got elsewhere. But I also know Ubisoft have got a nice track record of just dropping things that worked really well. For example, the Assassin's Creed multiplayer from the uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed classic. Something Don't, that Carl, st- you I'm and still, I have championed still for sad. a long time. Still sad and bitter about that going. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be good to see it follow through onto onto something new. Hopefully, uh, it is very impressive. Uh, do either of you two want to talk about anything else before we go into the structure element? Um, and I read the feedback. I mean, I guess my general question is: um, I kind of feel like, in a way, I would have been more positive towards Steep at the beginning. If I'm not talking about having no DLC whatsoever, but I'm not sure how much it did the game any favors to be 
free on things like PS Plus and PS Now. Um, and by the time I got to it in 2020, it looked as though it was just missing the the Asia sort of areas and Alps and Alaska, and then missing a whole world. And it was like, I think I'd much rather have ba- like paid for the main game and then just had a couple of items of DLC. It just seemed very sort of microtransaction heavy when I came to well, it. I'll I'll tell you what, Charlotte. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to DLC and access because I think that that is okay. a really really interesting. And point. I've got a lot um, to say as well. Yeah. So we have a comment from Jobo Bonobo on the forums. and They said, One of my big regrets during the sixth generation was not picking up any of the SSX games, as they seemed right up my alley. Hurtling down a mountain at blistering speeds whilst doing mad stunts is just my arcadey cup of tea. And since that series has all but kicked the bucket, I was interested in seeing if Ubisoft's Steep could help show me what I had been missing. Despite the more realistic tone, there were plenty of really heart-pounding moments in this. Using the wingsuit to fly through rings whilst weaving in and out of nooks and crannies of the mountains was a genuinely exhilarating moment. The speed you can achieve with the snowboard whilst avoiding smacking face-first into a tree is very satisfying when pulled off correctly. All the various winter spots did offer up a very nice, well-rounded experience. However, I think I would enjoy this way more if Ubisoft did not, well, Ubisoft it up. Why is it an open-world game? Did Ubisoft feel contractually obligated to shove open-world elements in all their games, no matter how unnecessary it is? It's not too bad, but this would have been fine just being a bog-standard choose-your-stage kind of an affair. The fact that you can teleport to wherever you want to go makes the open world a bit superfluous in my eyes. Far far more damning, however, is the constant reminders that segments of this game are closed to you unless you pay for a season pass. This is a side of gaming that I have thankfully managed to avoid this entire generation, and the constant reminders that you can buy outfits, equipment, new courses just really kills any immersive potential this game has. This is another insidious part of microtransactions that constantly remind you that you cannot just play the game normally to progress. You either have to grind levels or cough up the door to experience everything, both methods being an unsatisfying way for me to experience a game. They reduce what could be an interesting experience into a mere service offering you various products. That's fine when it's Steam or the eShop, but having a game that just makes the whole thing soulless... As I was clearing up everything and running out of things to do, these those purchases were there to tempt me, but that's when I stopped playing. I fundamentally disagree with having to continuously buy nicks, knickknacks in order to get the most out of a game, and think such practices are among the most exploitive in the games industry has come up with. This omnipresent commercialisation really makes the whole thing that much less special. A real shame. So... We, we we have kind of alluded to the fact that you have this massive map and you can walk around it in any way you want. You can go to the mountain view and in a very Ubisoft manner, select the events that you've discovered and play them from there. But likewise, you can actually select the events from a menu um, of next activities. There's also a quick recommendation that you can tab through with your uh, trigger, uh, your bumper buttons or your L1, L1, uh, L1, R1s uh, whilst playing the games to go straight into your next event. So... That was kind of a quicker way to go about things. And I think this is where it gets a little bit interesting around DLC and access into the game. So I said I got this game in 2016 and I felt very confused about how I was going to progress. Um, I didn't quite get it. 
And I don't know if that was the structure of the game at the time, whether it was me or my mindset, and I can't fully remember how everything was. I just remember being confused at the way things were. And I later came back to this after buying the the, the, the full whack edition with the season pass, etc., in a sale on Xbox and, and playing it on there. And I never ran into the same issue. It felt like the game explained more about what I could be doing from the off and as a result I felt like I always had something to do and I know when I spoke about nominating this this game um because this was my nomination for for volume nine and you know we talked about it in the uh Kinerin Slack and I said that the DLC really fits in very smoothly into the experience that it doesn't feel jarring. Um and I came to that from the perspective that because I had it it felt I couldn't necessarily tell what was DLC and what was actually core game experience. Now I can see from the, the the stats of the events completed that the core game experience is actually really big. I think there's 120 events in the base game, um, 30 uh, mountain stories, and and a, and a few other things around that. Plus the obviously the ability to navigate, share your lines, multiplayer, all these features. But actually just being able to go event to event and skip between mountain ranges feels really smooth in the process of owning everything. Now, I am curious to go back to PlayStation and see how I feel about that there where I don't own the DLC. Um, I only own the base game. Um, I've now obviously got that base game through PS Plus as well, um, so I will have it digitally. Uh, I know, Charlotte, you've come from the other aspect of just having the base game and not having all the DLC. Um, and just before we get your insights on it, Rich, what was your which, which side do you sit on? Did you sit from a game where you only had the outset and grew it? Did you own everything and play it that way, or did you only have the base game throughout? So I, I, I suspect a lot of my thoughts are probably going to be echoed by Charlotte, but I, just to talk about my approach, it was a PlayStation Plus game, so as far as I'm concerned, it is, is tantamount to being free. I actually platinum this game a free game in my context and i was ready to to kind of progress and put money back to the developers by buying the dlc my issue is that there's no elegant way to buy all of the dlc without doing it in in sort of drips and drabs and and so it becomes incredibly confusing as to work out how do i get the most what's the most effective way and what's the 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 kind of best way of negotiating through this purchase point to get the 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 right dlc because there's some really strong DLC and there's some absolute stingers at the same time. Yeah. So just giving a run through of the DLCs because this was a three year delivery cycle um for content. So we had the year one season pass. Um I wasn't aware of many games that did year one, year two at the time that Steep did this and it's something that was obviously seeing a lot more regularly now. Um so in the year one season pass we had the Winterfest DLC which is a lot like Amped, almost uh, the the Xbox snowboarding game uh, where you have a kind of a story, a little story mode, racing people downhill. Uh, you got the Extreme Pack, which included speed riding, base jumping, and rocket powered wingsuit events, and then you got the Adrenaline Pack, which brought in night races and some new outfits, and that was the end of your year one. And then in year two, you got the Winter Olympics Pack, which was steep road to the Olympics, which released on December fifth, twenty seventeen. So 
almost exactly a year after the release of the game. And that included mountain ranges in Korea and Japan for the Olymp- and the 2018 Winter Olympics. And then in the third year, you got the X Games Pass, which brought in the Rocket Wings DLC, the 90s DLC, which was 90s clothing based, um, and the X Games DLC. So it is quite confusing. Um, and even the way it displays DLC in game stores when you look on like PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store and you see some it will say installed but then it'll let you buy other ones but actually you already own that content and then you're second guessing whether or not you actually own it and there's no sort of checklist in the game that shows you the DLC is checked off which was a little bit frustrating so yeah it, it is a little bit confusing and there is a lot of DLC and I wouldn't say that all of it is essential um yeah, the, like the 90s clothing is probably not as essential as something like, you know, the, the uh, Winter Olympics, which was kind of a whole new mountain range. Um, so, yeah, what was your approach to going through this with all that DLC and released over a three-year plan? Yeah, I mean, I did ponder buying some of the DLC. To be honest, like my my opinion of this game in general is pretty solid seven so i was like do i really want to buy some dlc um but i just could i couldn't decide what to get i couldn't decide what was you know the crucial bit of dlc to get so i ended up getting nothing um i just feel like i don't know if this is uh it's it's like 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 rich said it was a it was basically a free game for me because i got it on ps plus and i do not begrudge them giving me this experience as a free game like i'm not the sort of person to think you know i'm owed a huge amount of content for free but at the same time i feel like i might have had a bit more respect for the game at the start if i'd have actually put down money for it and in return maybe got 75 percent of the content outright like i probably would have bought this at some point like my, my curiosity was peaked it's just it came up on ps plus so i was like oh i own the base game for free what do you know um i i and also, I think some of the framing of it made it seem more negative to me as a, a newcomer in 2020 than it actually was, because the first things you see on the mountain are a handful of a handful of open events, and then you already start seeing the inaccessible DLC stuff right at the beginning. I feel like they could have marketed this better by, you know, some of the stuff that you unlock being DLC, and oh, you can't play that, but it seemed like it was more... A lot of the the, the um, cost bound stuff was instantly visible, and then more of the free stuff became visible as you unlocked areas of interest. And like they could have probably sold it better by flipping that round a little bit, because the more you unlock, the more you think, oh, I've got loads to do. It doesn't really matter that these things are popping up on the mountain that I can't do. Um, and at the beginning, it just looks like a bunch of like 50% maybe even if we're being extreme looks locked and I'm like oh this is this is possibly a candy crush type experience yeah. <laughs> so so I I know we're not here necessarily to discuss the the merits of a subscription service and and I think Charlotte picked up on something there that that there's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about 
I I don't have Game Pass, and the concept of Game Pass is, is quite anxiety-inducing for me. Like I need less games in my life than the games that I've already got. <laughs> I need a, a focused, curated uh, way to go through things that are going to really give me a lot of joy and a lot of kind of um, relaxation. So what tends to happen is when a PS Plus game comes out, I'm almost immediately filled with an existential sense of dread about how I'm going to find more time to play these games. And more than often what happens is that because these games are of no value to me, I, I don't really give them the time and effort that they perhaps deserve. Steep is really the exception to the rule, and it's because of that that I made a commitment that I would spend some additional money buying the DLC. Really, to hit that point, the, the problem that I've got is that we're now four years after the release and approximately two and a half years after the last DLC was released, and there is no good way to consume all that DLC. It's all still very microtransition based and, and and separate and disaggregated from one another and, and it's it's a, it's a, just a minefield trying to understand what is there my commitment to go through it was look i'm just going to sack off anything that is really heavily um trying to advertise um aesthetics and um customizable like the 90s sort of the 90s costume pack which has absolutely no meaning to me and try and focus my endeavors on the the things that really look like they have a little bit more merit, which is the Winter Olympics and the X Games Pass. And for the most part, they're really good. So the Winter Olympics is um, almost like a biopic. And what it does is it starts you off with um, a, a Winter Olympics tryout uh, of somebody who's, pre- well, preparing to try out for three main events. There's a half pipe. There is a um, freestyle event, which is a combination of just cutting around doing jumps and grinds and then there's the the big air competition and what it does is it intersperses um different um interviews so like um talking head style interviews with potential olympic candidates and and the type of things that they go through in the i think it's about 400 day run up towards an olympic event and you ostensibly uh travel the same path along that they've got and it's quite an interesting diversion because it's got um it's got some really interesting nuances and some insights into how Olympic athletes go and, and train before you do the events. The problem with it is, it is really easy, it, and and it's it's noticeably easier than any other um, event in in the base game for that matter. And I think part of that is because. I imagine that they thought, look, we're probably going to attract a little bit of attention from um, anybody who has an interest in the X Games, sorry, the the Winter Olympics in this case. And so we'll just make it as easy as possible so that we can have as many people come through the door and have this wonderful experience at the same time. That part of it's easy. What is not easy, however, is the new game modes, which is the giant slalom and the small slalom, which are exceptionally difficult really challenging because they're unlike anything that's in the rest of the game and without boiling the ocean on this one it's all about kind of keeping your speed up and doing as little tricks as possible it's very stoic and and um mechanical in that regards and it's it's mirrored in the x games uh dlc which is without being reductive about it more of the same of the base game content but again really difficult and perhaps the most difficult thing i've ever had to do on any of the steep game modes you are required to perform um techniques and grabs and tricks and and you can't make a mistake you really can't like you have to do a perfect run it's it's an interesting diversion but certainly not one that adds to the game in the same way that the olympics dlc does yeah it's quite interesting um seeing you know the blockers and charlotte talking about what was available going in and, and seeing so many things locked out and you know, I came in from the perspective I I already bought all the content that was in that game, uh, and one of the events that I 
did very early on was actually all the Winterfest DLC, and it felt like that was actually part of the core game. I couldn't actually tell that it was part of the DLC to begin with. Um, it it was. It's not that it felt like it was part of the game and pulled out for DLC. It just for me, it felt like the DLC was included really, really well into that experience. Um, and the same for bringing in stuff like the base jumping, the speed riding, the rocket-powered wingsuits, the night races. So kind of everything that was in the Season 1 pass felt like the core experience, like it was included really, really well. And I think from that point on is where the game kind of lost how it was going to sell its multiplayer. Because even as someone who knew that they owned everything, I still wasn't clear that I had everything accessible because at that point you start going to different mountain ranges so you 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 switch away from the alps and you see different modes um and obviously the the winter olympics does feel relatively substantial because it's it's its own thing um very separate from the game and it, the game is a perfect candidate to be on ps plus as something that people can buy into season passes really clearly as a as as a result of that, you know, you've got your free base game, you can buy stuff. And we, we're seeing a lot of games go on to Game Pass or, or or PS Plus as a result because they'll have the DLC that can financially do it. And this is kind of only Ubisoft or Ubisoft Annecy can really be blamed for how this is handled because once you've got it and it's in the game, it's great. But actually knowing what to buy and how is really a lot more problematic because we got a year one season pass, but everything else was just separate to that instead of being in like a year two season pass, a year three season pass, and then making it clear that if you got one, you only got that content and not the rest. Um, and it, it is a bit of a muddled mess. However, the negative effect of showing the content locked out straight away makes it feel like you're not getting a lot of content in that game. When in actuality, you're actually getting an incredible amount of content in this game with an incredible amount of additional content. It's actually a very substantial package with quite substantial DLCs overall. Um, perhaps something should have been brought about because it looks like it's a selling tactic, right? You know, you can't access this, buy it, and you can. You've got these events right from the off. And stuff like the rocket suit originally had to be purchased with in-game currency. Uh, helicopter tickets can be purchased with, with real money to buy tickets that can then be used. However, is it level 15 or level 25? Um, you can helicopter wherever you want free of charge anyway. And Yeah, it it's a little bit clumsy in how it handles the DLC. And it's not that the DLC isn't good or worthwhile. It is. And it's not that the game has pulled that content away and left you with a shell. It hasn't. It's an incredibly substantial offering in the base game alone. But there is an an easy amount of confusion to a consumer, even someone who's quite switched on and, and used to dealing with season passes, that shouldn't be a barrier. And I think as a result, you end up in kind of, you know, Charlotte's shoes where, do I buy it? If I'm buying something, what do I buy? I don't know which one to buy, so I'm not going to buy any. Because <laughs> the, the last thing I want to do is buy something and only end up with 90s clothing. Yeah, yeah, it ends up being such a turnoff because you're going to buy 90s clothing, which is probably the least substantial of the lot when you factor in stuff like, you know, night races, uh, new challenges, uh, the the rocket suit, you know, a, a whole Winter Olympics event. 
you know, different mountains. Um, it, it, it's pretty wild how bizarrely mismanaged it is because they've done themselves an injustice. Because the, because the quality is genuinely there on both sides of the base game and the DLC, and that you know that that's frustrating because once you own it all, everything feels so inclusive, like it, like that was the product, and you know it, that's what you want. You want to buy DLC and then feel like you've got a package that just works flawlessly. Yeah, and we're um, two years away from, almost two years away from the game being released on PlayStation Plus. And two and a half years away from the last set of, well, just over two years away from the the last set of DLC being brought out. Like the fact that these haven't been consolidated into one package just feels almost ridiculous and and, and invasive and problematic. I wonder, without sort of going, putting my tinfoil hat here and and speculating, I wonder if they're forced to disaggregate the two because of licensing agreements with either the IOC uh, on the Olympics and the the Mm. X Games and such. Who knows? Possibly. Pa- possibly. Like, I, I'm actually experiencing a similar sort of thing with a game that I'm trying at the moment through EA Play, which is The Sims 4. Um, but it's so far, I've had a much more positive experience with The Sims 4 because throughout the history of The Sims, you know what each expansion pack leave aside the stuff packs but the expansion packs it's like this one's about pets this one's about business this one's about going skiing like you know it's it's all very clear what you would buy on top of that so going into ea play and like getting a a short subscription of ea play to test out the sims 4 you know to see if it works on your computer that that's going great for me so far whereas with steep there was just this confusion of if I want to play more of this game and ex- invest in it, how do I yeah. sensibly invest in it? And, and it's just yeah. bizarre. And, There's and, a problem when you want to, but you feel restricted to being able to because it's in- unclear. Like that, like that's never a that's never a good situation. But messaging is perhaps the the biggest criticism that, that Steep has from telling you what to do, how to do stuff what the game really is all about it's not really a guided tour it does leave you to your own devices quite a lot and unfortunately it does it with the dlc as well and you can kind of figure it out with the game because you know you're not going to break it but when it comes to purchasing dlc that's asking someone to put money out and if they had this plan to put this into ps plus as a way to sell dlc then they, they should have really structured it to be very very clear with a patch or something and you know it's as someone who owns everything and and owned it all before i haven't seen i i can only speculate as to what those frustrations are from poor messaging even owning it not owning it and wanting to buy something and feeling like you can't is really quite unacceptable and and most bizarrely for me is that the reality is anything that's anything within that dlc so the the actual game modes the the sled and the the um the, the the just base jumping parachute and for that matter the the uh, japan mountain is all available for free if you just really want to put the time in so it's a very hard sell to say to somebody this is essential dlc when everything really that matters is kind of there and, and available for you anyway so i guess yeah, this I is think sort the, of the, like it eventually became feeling. free yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think it was originally free. I think it, those things eventually got tweaked to be free and and were accessible to everyone. So it did used to be worse. But yeah, I mean, you can absolutely come into this game that's regularly in sales, even with the DLC for about ten quid. 
<laughs> um, it's probably cheaper without it and still get a substantial amount of content. So uh, we've 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 referred to the game having multiplayer. I can't say I've ever actually. Well, I have played it in multiplayer um, in terms of just pulling random players in and you know you just blast around the map. It's it's quite a you know esoteric experience in terms of multiplayer and it's you're not just diving event to event it's not like so many other games when you go into multiplayer and you're, you're banging out these events uh, one after the other it's not a lot really changes from your approach to the game being in multiplayer um as to it does in the single player and I, I think that for me that was the right way to do it because this is a game that shines as a single player game and for me the only multiplayer I ever really needed in it was the ability to to kind of share those lines and 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 see leaderboards effortlessly effortlessly bring your friends in and, and highlight those scores or times um for me over the multiplayer but did either of you two ever actually play any multiplayer I know obviously this isn't it isn't a game that you played at launch where there was probably more players but the, i mean there's still quite a fair few out there i would say you you know you always see the mountains populated yeah you can always get a game uh the the multiplayer that's available from within their menu seems to do things like curate um certain competitions and just sort of like deposit you into those competitions in sequence it's kind of hard to feel like you're connecting with other players and and probably best served by playing with people that you know something that we've already said we all all three of us struggle with because the uh, appeal of a snowboarding game isn't necessarily as ubiquitous as something a bit more i suppose like commercially viable and, and available for that matter um so one other thing i really wanted to mention here was the community around steep so i did i, I had to do some searches on why I couldn't do the paragliding event, why it wasn't going quick enough, and I ended up on a steep subreddit. So I subscribed to that, and there's still a lot of posts from, you know, wonderful runs, incredible tricks, beautiful screenshots, little bits of information, discoveries, etc. Um, and from there, I happened across a Discord server for steep, and I've come across quite a few toxic communities in my time. Um, across Discord or the internet, and um, for for games that are very inclusive of their own base and very guarded and uh, and quite horrible to people that are trying to to get into that. And the steep community on Discord was the complete opposite of that. It's by far and away one of the most welcoming, helpful, generous with their time communities I've ever experienced. From any questions, I would get incredibly detailed answers from people, people that were willing to, you know, load into my game, multiplayer and show me things, um, link me to any articles or anything like that that I ever needed. And I thought that that was absolutely incredible. And um, it's... A const it's not something where there's a couple of messages from a couple of people. Like it is a constant chat every day, even as much as like today. Um it, it it's a, a community that I can go and chat with and be friendly with and share stuff with and you know, that that's fantastic. Uh, having that outside of the game. Uh they are actually moving over to an official Riders Republic community, so they won't have their own channel, it'll be the official Riders Republic one, unfortunately. Um but yeah, I, I, the community, the diehard fans around Steep um, have have been absolutely incredible whenever I've had to reach out to them. So uh, I just wanted to give kind of a, a shout out to the communities that have actually helped um, and and continue to, to have such a, a niche style game and champion it continually. 
Yeah, that's that's lovely to hear because I've unfortunately had a couple of, I'm not going to name which name, but it was a sports game. And as soon as I realized that my uh, player tag was visible when I didn't want it to be, I just went into a complete panic because all I've heard of is that this certain community is very niche and basically you have to be good, get good or get lost, basically. So I got into a complete panic, shut down my messages because I just didn't want... Uh, to get spammed because I was terrible at this uh, at this uh, round of whatever I was playing. So to hear that there's a welcoming community in a game like that is just fantastic because it's maybe it is more the rule nowadays rather than the exception, but I would like to see it more and more. The future of Steep is that there really isn't a future of Steep. There's, there's no more DLC for it. There's no Steep 2, but what we do know is that Ubisoft Annecy will be releasing a game called Riders Republic, uh, which is the spiritual successor um, to Steep in February 2021, um, featuring more events, not necessarily being on on, on snow-based mountains anymore, um, but definitely of a, a similar ilk, uh, it, it's fair to say. I've, I've tried to steer away from as much of the coverage around it as possible. Uh, as something that I'm relatively excited for. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, for now, no Steep 2. Uh, we're moving into uh, something that clearly has its roots, roots based and born in Steep. Uh, how much of that DNA carries over, I don't entirely know. So with that, we have the three-word reviews. Uh, Charlotte, would you like to start? Sure. So Alex79UK says, Boring snowboarding somehow. Chobo Bonobo says, ruined by monetization. Adam Holy Moses, too many icons. Cats and cucumbers, didn't get far. With that, we've reached the end of the show and all we have left is our own summaries on that. So uh, mm-hmm. again, Charlotte, would you like to go first? Sure. So it might kind of, I, f- I feel like often I just complain about games and then at the end say that they're actually pretty good. And, and it's probably the same with Steep. Um it sort of shone in unexpected places like for example with the the wingsuit stuff i kind of wasn't expecting to go into steep and my favorite thing not be the snowboarding but somehow that (laughs) happened i think the thing is even when i sort of try to separate myself from my past and say you know steep is a completely different kind of game it's totally unfair to judge it on the past that the fact is that that has shaped what I enjoy in snowboarding games and I can't really escape from that. And Steep just doesn't quite do it for me because it's not my cup of tea. I think I must have put in maybe, as a rough estimate, maybe 25, 30 hours. Um, a lot of that not really getting anywhere. And, you know, I really enjoyed the, the Zen time of, you know, just bashing out a couple of courses during a lunch break is actually a really good game to do that if you're working from home at the minute um or after work just settling in with one of my favorite podcast series and just wandering around for a bit and maybe trying out a few events like that was really enjoyable time but at the same time i am a different person to how i was as a kid as a kid i got a game and i had to play it for a few months and i probably wouldn't get another one for however much amount of time, however deep my parents' pockets were. And now I'm just drowning in games and it's like, it's a nice zen feeling that I get from it. But at the end of the day, for me, it is a seven out of 10. And there are plenty of eights and nines and tens out there that I could be playing instead. So I'm probably not going to play more steep after this recording. 
Having said that, it's all very personal with this game. I can't really point to anything where I'm like, this is this is going to be terrible for the vast majority of people, so you shouldn't play it. It's more, if, if you really, really want a calm copy of SSX, you're not going to get that, so this might not be your bag, you know? So I think you should, everybody should try it out if they've got it on PS Plus and they've got an interest in extreme sports games, just to give it a go, just to see and be fully aware of the things that we've pointed out that, you know, it actually is a pretty expansive game. You've just got to ignore the fact that it looks like huge amounts of it are locked off at the beginning because you're disproportionately seeing the DLC. Um, but if you, if you do that, if you play it for five hours or so and you're just like, nah, this is not really my thing, I think that's a fair a fair decision to make. I think it's it's up to everyone to give it a go and see. So yeah, I'm not saying it's a it's an even an average game. It's just to be honest, there are things I'd rather spend my time with, including other sports games. You know, I, I like my football games. So excellent, Rich. Yeah. So um, I find it fascinating that whenever you have a conversation with somebody about Steep, it's always looked at through the lens of of a snowboarding game, and, and I think it's it's really important for anybody who has a, even a passing interest in Steep to recognise that it isn't just a snowboarding game, and for that matter. Even if you do want to play it as a snowboarding game, there's absolutely a perfectly serviceable game of snowboarding to be had in there. Really, the the thing that endears me to Steep is the same thing that endears me to actual snowboarding in my real life. And that is the feeling that you get when you are on the mountain and you're moving down and you feel really elegant and free and, and that peace. And, and it's just a very pleasant and enjoyable experience. And if you're at all... Um, have an affinity with that feeling then then steep really is going to be a game that gives you that sense of immersion and that sense of peace that you're probably looking for you probably already own this game as part of ps plus and so there's really no real reason to go in there and and take a quick look at it and and just recognize that it's a game that's much bigger than it appears on the surface as charlotte's quite recently mentioned there's still a lot of good to be had in the game from like a mechanical perspective. It's a game that features instant restarts. Even on a base PS4, you have an initial loading sequence and then there's really nothing, no loading in between there. And if you're interested in the multiplayer aspect of it, it's still a game that's quite well populated four years later. I think that uh, playing this game for me it was, was really effortless. And because of that, there was an effortless platinum that came in response to that. But bear in mind, it was something that kind of osmosed through over the course of two years of, of fairly infrequently, but somewhat consistently playing it. Uh, the future looks interesting for, for the Steep franchise, as it were, even though we've we've just talked about Steep isn't necessarily going to exist, but Riders Republic looks like a natural successor for that and something that really appeals to me. I just hope that that kind of dude bro mentality that seems to be uh, sort of permeating a lot of their marketing doesn't necessarily dominate the gameplay that's there because my hope is that I can use Riders Republic as a, as a nice, neat lift and shift replacement for the, for the reason I've got Steep there. And that is a game that is uh, perennially on my hard drive, something that gets fired up every now and again, and I'm guaranteed a good, peaceful evening playing it. So I, I kind of echo a lot of what Rich is saying there and, you know, Steep is a game that that provides kind of glorious isolation on on the mountain to do whatever you want. You know that that freedom of not being, ironically, you you're frustrated and locked out by DLC, but not frustrated or locked out by anything you actually want to do once you're on the mountain. Uh, outside of events, you know, the ability to go wherever you want, use whichever discipline you want, you know, 
you don't have to be an event to go paragliding or sledding or you know skiing snowboarding rocket suiting wingsuiting you can, you can go about doing whatever you want and it it's just so incredibly and passionately put together that you know what once it clicked with me which was obviously my second approach to the game uh, which was a couple of years after trying it on the PS4 having a game that was inherently relaxing whilst also providing a challenge but letting me enter that zen state it kind of it pressed all the right buttons and it, you know it it provided an outlet when I when I as, when as I say I kind of needed that the most and that was absolutely incredible because it was just something that I thought well I'll put this on and try that and you know from that moment it's never left my hard drive and for me this game has an incredibly special place for everything that it's done and I genuinely say it's one of my games of the generation I think of it that highly I would absolutely recommend Steep to everyone I just think it is such an incredible experience and I absolutely loved it yeah yeah so it remains for me, Carl, to thank both Charlotte and Rich and, of course, our incredible editor, Jay, um, who has to listen to me ramble on over and over again and actually makes me sound somewhat coherent by the time these episodes go out. Next time, in issue 447, we retake to the remade streets of the 2005 cult classic PlayStation 2 title Yakuza in 2016's Kiwami remake, once more stepping into the shoes of the iconic Kazuma Kiryu. Mm-hmm.